the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. What was the summer song? What was the summer drink? What was the summer phrase? I don't know. I'm not into that kind of thing. Uh, Markets had an okay day yesterday. It really feels that just steam came out of the market, right? That we had a summer rally. July, thank you. You turn 2022 more interesting, more fun to cover. And then August, hey, we didn't go down. We've been fighting fighting sideways is how I would put it. But we're going to more quickly turn into the back half of the year. And fall and winter, and with that, you get back to school. You get, man, the holidays started early this year. The holidays are going to be like the Bob Marley's redemption song. Can retail get it right by Christmas as far as supply chain goes? But before we get there, we get through the November elections. And probably after November, I'm going to want a cigarette. I get the feeling it's just going to be one of those crazy WWE kind of election cycles. It's interesting. When I think of election cycles, I quickly think of um, investing in local television stations because they make a lot of money. Local, local stations like a next star during the campaign season. And again, have you seen some of the numbers, like how much they're going to spend for the governor of Michigan in advertising? It's too much. It's, it's, it's just the calendar, right? Move on, young Rob. Move on. So yesterday was an okay day, but it feels like the steam has come out of the markets for sure. Um, I like the way Cisco reacted. They had a good earnings report. We talked about it yesterday on the show. Cisco is a networking equipment company, a sultan of switches, the ruler of routers. Back in the day, I could think of probably 10 companies that were network equipment companies that we got excited about as the internet took over in the 1990s in corporate America. And then the technology just got great. And is there a difference between a gigabit and two gigabits and three gigabit speeds? Feels a little less so. So Cisco kind of aged their product. For them to be making some 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 win behind them, it's nice to see. I own no shares of Cisco other than in the you know uh, various indexes that it's in. But back in the day, I, Cisco was it. It was it was all that in a box of chocolate. You might have. Seen the saga of Bed Bath & Beyond. What a stock, huh? In the 1990s, Cisco was a rock and roll star, but so was Bed Bath & Beyond. 
Generation X was moving out. Generation X wanted throw pillows. We don't know why we wanted throw pillows. We just wanted throw pillows. Now it's turned into, it's a store that has way too much space. And the internet has allowed us to get throw pillows sent to our home. Bed Bath & Beyond, once known as the store where everyone discovers how expensive trash cans are. They flopped 20% down yesterday, turned into a meme stock. It turned into, hey, did the guy who bought GameStop buy this one too? Yeah. Soaring 400% from a July low. Reddit users are pumping the stock, then they're dumping the stock, and some of them are getting left holding the stock, while some of them are getting out wealthy. Individual traders bought a record $73.2 million in stock on Tuesday. Then they followed by buying another $58 million worth of stock on Wednesday. Then we learned that a college student with $25 million to invest made $110 million in profit, selling his best bed, bath, and beyond stock. And then just crazy stuff started to happen to it. You heard that the GameStop chairman, Ryan Cohen, he owned the stock, but no, no, no. He disclosed this week that he had a 10% stake. And then he also disclosed this week that he already sold that 10% stake. The headlines and the high profile nature of how dramatic the stock has moved turned it into people talking about it. I want nothing to do with that kind of stock. It's like in the movies when I want nothing to do with your kind of crazy. A man will say to a woman, and the next thing you know, they're kissing. Like, I want nothing to do with this kind of crazy, and I won't kiss it either. If you find that it's too, if you find that it's getting 400% in a week, it's going to end badly. Or the odds of it ending badly are way higher. In the headline news, a judge is inclined to release parts of the Mar-a-Lago affidavit. Um, big yawn for me. I wish that we were out of this election. I wish, I don't know what I wish for there, but I think you wish for it too. The Big Ten, did you see the TV deal that college sports got? I don't know how I feel about this yet. I guess I don't like it. College sports are supposed to be pure. College sports are supposed to be about kids, but college sports are all about money. You know it and I know it. And hopefully some of the $7.5 billion goes into some sort of retirement accounts for all players who participate. If your sport is on TV, then you start getting into other sports that aren't on TV and you're like, well, maybe they deserve some money too. I don't know how to break up the money, but it shouldn't go all to executives. Games with the Big Ten, yes, even Rutgers, will be aired on Fox, CBS, and NBC. They did a joint three-way package in a format that mimics the NFL-style gauntlets on Sundays. Mega conferences like the Big Ten and the SEC will bulk up with teams and Richard partnerships. The line between college and professional sports is really, really starting to blur quickly. You think this, and this is always funny to me. People get mad that they're tweeting, and if someone doesn't like their tweet, they're you're, 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 let me talk. You know, let me talk. It's freedom of speech. You're, you're on. You're, you're talking. 
go to Saudi Arabia and you get 34 years of uh, jail for tweeting. Wow. One woman claimed that she was followed and retweeted dissident accounts on Twitter and spread false rumors. The sentence comes amid a broad crackdown on the dissent in the kingdom. And you wonder why some people don't like this LIV golf tournament. Giving a woman 34 years for retweets in jail. Yeah. It's a little bit stiff. Is it not? Um, The streaming wars. Let's talk real quick about the streaming wars in kind of a big picture kind of way. No single service has emerged as the victor. Disney has passed Netflix, and Disney has the resources and the cash flow to continue to, to strive for more eyeballs. My problem with Disney is it's Disney, and I want some R-rated material that I feel comfortable with. It's not just slid into Disney. Listen to this. Streaming accounts for 34.8% of U.S. television's viewing time over the, over the last month. Whereas cable is 34.4%. Okay, so streaming is 34.8. Cable is 34.4. So cable TV is no longer the the biggest player out there. Streaming is. As far as content, as far as the war goes, yes, right? Maybe. Um, And that's a a little bit of a teeter-totter. I remember in the 1980s, my family was a military family, so we lived on military bases, sometimes around the world. And one thing the military families had was a closed-in system. Like you've heard about maybe like Fort Lee or Fort Benning or um, the various Air Force bases. They're typically fenced-in communities. And they're really easy for telephone companies to wire, and they're really easy for cable companies to wire. So cable made its way into military bases a little bit before into the general population. And cable was once touted as crystal clear reception. You no longer had to have an antenna on your roof. And before cable became a player, there was like super antennas where it would pick up like more television signals and it was insane and you'd watch these commercials for get the super antenna da, 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 da. I hope one person remembers this because I don't think I'm making it up but cables like cable killed the, the antenna and streaming is slowly but surely killing stream uh, cable one minute. I do love my cable modem though I think I have a sense of humor, and I would get you would could I, I, I've always wanted to do a bumper sticker. You could pry from my cold dead fingers my cable modem, and I, I just fear I'm going to piss off gun owners, and those are the people I don't want to piss off. Snap is stopping development of its pixie flying camera drone. Good. U.S. home sales fell yesterday in July for the sixth month in a row as higher interest rates and home prices have pushed buyers out of the market. Good. Now come price drops. The FDA has approved the most expensive drug ever, $2.8 million gene therapy from Bluebird Bio that treats a rare blood disorder. $2.8 million. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, invested, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. 
This is the Rob Black Show. One of the segments that I did this week hit me, so I wanted to do it almost a second time. It's when I talked earlier this week about you're going to retire later in life than your parents. And I'm a father. I had a father. I know you're saying, we know how this all works, Rob. My dad died really early, 58. Massive heart attack at 52, 53. They found cancer, and he was dead five years later. And they basically told him, you will be dead. Um, they gave him, they, they got the first round of cancer. They didn't get the second. So that's an, always in my head, 58, 58, 58, 58. Um, my mom, mid-80s. What's interesting to note, kind of, is something along the lines of, that now plays into my longevity. How long do my parents live? Insurance companies want to know. Insurance companies want to know, did it was any disease in your family or did anyone die early? And my instant thought on that is don't tell them. <laughs> kind of thing. Let them find out for themselves, but don't like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not advocating lying, but when those go on your record, they're on your record. One that's a, like a big no-no in my industry, not my industry, just if you've ever been on antidepressants and you admit to it on an insurance uh, form, they ask, do you know why they ask? Because you're more likely to kill yourself. And if they're going to write life insurance for you, they want to know that kind of thing. I don't know if I've made this story announced in the past, but uh, one of the financial planners I used to work with, female, she was in a collegiate 20-year-old relationship when she was in her 20s with a boyfriend who got life insurance because she was a financial planner and she told him the importance of it and he put it in her name. And a couple of years later, they break up and five, 10 years later, she finds out he died and she got the settlement, the life insurance, even though his wife and kids lived with him and loved him, she had moved on. She was in another relationship, but he left that life insurance in her name. Eh, probably on accident, right? That really shows you the value of updating your, your documents. I didn't have a lot of respect for her because she knew that that life insurance was meant for a young spouse and children and not for a windfall or a single lady. They had moved on. She kept the money. I don't know how I feel about that. Because in her head, she's probably saying, well, he loved me. I gave him five good years of my life. Or I, I don't know. Right? How long do we live is, is kind of a weird concept. But when we start projecting it on our parents. And then what we're doing is, I, I introduced the idea of, I don't want to work till the day I die. I knew that when I was 18 years old. A recent Gallup survey found that the current workforce expects to retire years later than today's retirees. On average, workers today plan to retire at age 66. But people who are already retired say they worked only until age 61. So your mom and dad say they retired at 61. But today's workforce thinks they're going to have to go up to 66. That's a pretty big jump in one generation. 
while there's long been a gap between expected and actual retirement ages, both numbers have edged up over the years. Average expected retirement age amongst workers currently. People have already retired versus people who have already retired. The expected retirement age is 66, right? Now it's starting to creep up to the actual is 62. Now, COVID threw some curveballs in this, but some people are coming out of retirement. I have a coaching, I have an employment coach that I used to work with on the air. He, I didn't, I didn't really like his content. He just wanted to be on my air. And sometimes I would let him be on the air because he'd talk about careers and what you should be doing. He's actually asking me to come on the air to pro, promote content for the seniors who retired during COVID who are now coming out of retirement to go back to work. But I'm just like, I'm just not that interested. Age for full, uh, age for full social security plays into this. I want to work until I can get social security. That seems like the handoff, the baton. If you're before, uh, born before 1943, your social security eligibility, 65, or getting benefits, retiring later is sometimes just tied towards when to hit the baton. 1916 after, 67 is the age. 1943 to 1959, 66. Now, some people were retiring knowing that it doesn't go as far as it used to. When Social Security was implemented, it was a help the widows and orphans, help the people who don't have ability to have income. It was a little bit for the guy who worked till... 60 and then kicked over dead at 65. But now we're hearing people live to 80, 85, 90, 95, 100. I've never seen a person who was 100 years old that I'm like, I hope I'm like that when I'm 100. So the shortfall in Social Security has been in our head since we were little children. It's eventually going to run out of money. Social Security retirement payouts due to lack of funding. Social Security Administration says that by 2035, which is what, two, three years? How far away is that, Ted? Uh, we don't really, it's a murky concept, but then we think, let's put our retirement age on that and go, oh, they kind of coincide. By 2035, government will only be able to pay 77% of the benefits. Does that mean you and I get a lower payment? Mathematically, it should be reduced from 1671 on average in Social Security a month down to 1287. That would freak out a lot of people. The age where we're supposed to die is about 77 years old. Can you get from 60 to 77 with what you've saved in your nest egg? I'm Rob Black. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. So in my opinion, what I'm seeing is pretty clear. It's a pretty easy year to analyze. It started with inflation being real and no longer transitory. And the Fed being aggressive. And that freaked out the markets. I haven't seen higher interest rates in a long time. 15 years. So there was a mentality for the long-term investor that needed to shift. Valuations were going to shift. 
And that meant selling stocks lower to reset and move forward. Then we started playing with the idea of, well, we've done a lot of interest rate hikes. Typically, that leads to recession. That shook some more people out of the markets. Recessions aren't bad. We've lived through many of them in our lifetime. By many, I'm saying one every four years, typically. That's many to me. And now this new thesis is forming of what's it looked like when we bring speculation back. And we saw that when crypto hit below 20,000. Speculation was, was basically humbling cryptocurrencies. Then we started saying, okay, now recessions don't really kill us, so let's go ahead and start picking for some value in some of these big tech companies. When we started picking for value in tech companies, we started picking for momentum again. Retail investors said, yep, let's pick up some Bitcoin. The pullback in cryptocurrencies and Ether has had an amazing doubling in a month. As they're switching technology platforms, Ether looks the, like the more interesting of the two big boys to me. Big boys being Bitcoin and Ether. So a pullback in cryptocurrencies and meme stocks today says, there's a light switch that says risk on, risk off, and risk off is there. There's a lingering feeling market is due for a retreat after recent gains. That didn't really happen this week. Last week, we started saying, okay, the momentum's leaving. Now, will we pull back? Will it be a dead cap bounce? Will it be a, a bear market bounce that, that gives back to the bear market? Got a little down, downside leadership from the mega caps. Analysts yesterday on CNBC spent a good portion of the day talking about is Apple overvalued or not? And it is. For the long term, it's, it's, it's fine. For the short term, when you move 30% in a month and you're a trillion dollar company, it's, it's just, that's a lot of weight. That's a lot of volume. Now we know Warren Buffett owns it and he's bought more of it in the last 90 days. That tends to give long-term investors kind of a relaxing feeling. But short-term investors are like, it's too big. Let's go find something stupid like GameStop or AMC or Bed Bath & Beyond. GameStop down 8.6%, AMC down 7.9%, Bed Bath & Beyond down 37%. There's a guy that I think should, I don't think he's helping people. Like, I think he's helping himself. His name's Ryan Cohen. And he seems to be able to move crappy stocks that are heavily shorted. So maybe when Warren Buffett talks Apple, there's some soothing there. And maybe when Ryan Cohen talks meme stocks or heavily shorted stocks, stocks that their businesses don't look great. They don't look like they're going to thrive and survive on their own. Is that anything like maybe uh, Elon Musk talking to cryptocurrencies? Which, for the record, now that you've seen his track record, you know not to listen to him on crypto, right? He's in his, his relationship with Twitter. Has he not shown us he's a pretty bad investor? 
And then I get a little riled up that his business is built on the back of tax credits and then he doesn't like paying taxes. I'm like, oh man. That's wanting to have it all. The government creates a whole industry. Essentially, he's the only one who took advantage of it for a long period of time. And he wants to bite the hand, right? So Snap's getting out of the development of the Pixie flying camera drone and the latest blow to its hardware efforts. Do you remember Snap's tried to get into a uh, pair of sunglasses that had a camera in it? And it would take a couple seconds of video of you and then upload it to your Snap account. Snap really wants to be a camera company. They came out with a little teeny, teeny, tiny little drone that looks like it's made. Like It, it almost looks like it's a, a, a toy inside of a box of cereal. It's a $230 flying camera. It was announced in April. And due to current market conditions, CEO Evan Spiegel says it's over. It was called the Pixie. It was introduced as a new way for Snapchat users to capture photos from unique angles. It's capable of launching from a user's hands. It could follow four different flight paths, including one that follows you, the user. It was called by Snap, which again, they want to be known as a camera company. They want to be known as a hardware company. It's interesting, right? Facebook's got social and they want hardware. They regularly come out with phones and, and camera lenses and um, frames and things to call your friends with. They just don't do the hardware right. Does that tell you that hardware is tougher than it looks? Or does that tell you that you sometimes can't put a square in a circle? So spectacles, that's oh, that's what they were called, right? Snap had spectacles, and they've had several iterations of them through the years. And they get us talking about them in media. So I guess that's kind of good. But they had to take a $40 million write down in 2017 due to excess inventory. That's a lot of, that's a lot of pair of glasses that didn't get bought. So Snap can't do physical products, and that's now in my head. Guilty. There'll never be a physical product company. Facebook will never be a physical product company. That's why I don't believe in the um, virtual reality headset. Now, they bought a company. That could be their end. And they're spending $10 billion a quarter. And that's a lot of cash. But I don't know if it's in their DNA to be a hardware company. Snap shares have lost almost three quarters of their value this year. Company reckons with slowing demand for its ad platform. They have said something interesting, and I follow a lot of advertising trends inside of companies. Um, that local businesses really want to do business on your local position. That's been the dream of Bluetooth. That you could open up a channel, and when you walk by a store, they could say, "Hey, we see you out there, um, hungry Rob." Come on into our store and have lunch. We see that you eat every day around 12 and it's around 12 and there's a restaurant right near Rob. Snap really wants to make more headwind in advertising. I'd rather they do that than hardware like Pixie. The Pixie is still available to order on Snap's website, which suggests the company will be selling whatever inventory remains. Um, get a gimmick while they last, I suppose, right? 
Speculation in the markets. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. So when you get the feeling that I don't like non-fungible tokens, that doesn't have to influence you. And I don't have to be right. My path to wealth is going to be different than yours. One thing that I fear is I see way too many people, like I said, email me, what should I do with this large chunk of cash? And that person who has $100,000 on the sideline has now seen it lose 10% of its purchasing power in the last year. So by keeping it in cash, you actually lost 10% of its value. I don't think you could afford to keep cash under a mattress. I don't think you could afford to keep too much cash uninvested. I want you to do something with it. Annuity is not what I want you to do with it because of the high cost of fees and commissions. Annuities tend to be sold by insurance salespeople who aren't nearly financially educated or literate as certified financial planners. The rigor that a CFP has to go through to get that license and to maintain it, it it's, it's healthy for you. Now, do, does everyone benefit from financial planners? No. And I understand why people are, are, are cynical. People are cynical because they want to turn that $150,000 into a million. And a financial planner can't do that. Warren Buffett can't do that. It takes time to do that. Don't look at investing. If you look at investing as picking a horse, you're doing things wrong. Now, if you look at it as you're picking all 10 horses, you're doing things better. And what I mean by that is small cap stocks, mid cap stocks. In lane number three, large cap stocks. In lane number four, international stocks. In lane number five, the bond market. But the bond market has three runners, the short-term, mid-term, and long-term, and there's municipal bond market. If you look at your accumulating those kind of assets and you can cut the high fees and commissions out, eventually your horse is going to cross the finish line, which is age 65 for me, or 62, or 70, or the day I die. All those horses will start on the left. Small cap stocks, mid cap stocks, large cap stocks, international stocks, real estate investment trust stocks. They'll all start on the left and they'll all move to the right. And that's a good thing. Bet on the whole, whole horse race. I've got a in-law who, yes, he bets on more than one horse in a horse race. I'm like, you're significantly killing your chances of winning. That's terrible. And then I just shut up because I've made enemies enough with people that I didn't need to make enemies with. And I didn't try to make enemies. I just said something that I thought was kind of a good question. Like, three years is a long time to be unemployed, isn't it? Like, that must drive you crazy. And he got a little sensitive about that. Now it's been seven years. So I think contributing a little bit of money earlier in your life will commit to a lot of money to those that horse race. Um, large cap stocks, small cap stocks, mid cap stocks. Or you can buy the Wilshire 3000, all the stocks. Um, I'm okay with that. Russell 3000, Wilshire 5000, excuse me. Did I say that right? You know what I meant. Index investing is the right way to go for most people. Right? Like that doesn't sell 
commercials on CNBC. If you look at CNBC, it's just basically a bunch of options, option traders again and again and again and again and again. And then there's some investment advisors who try to like fight with each other, like Apple go higher. No, Apple go lower. No, Apple go higher. But the options, that's the thing that makes me crazy. Options are sexy for advertisers because as a brokerage, you make a lot of money selling options. So that whole halftime options report, the whole option show that comes on at two o'clock, it, it, it makes me sick. Most options expire worthless and you, the average person, are going to get burned by the costs of options. Until you've met uh, someone from in the pits from New York or Chicago, uh, you don't see how they eat people like you. I'd be very, very caution, cautious. Trying Now again, I'll use options on my very large position of Apple as a way of generating income. I will not try to generate wealth with it. Very big difference. And even then, I, do, I underdo that. I leave money on the table. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. I've been talking more and more about REITs recently. REITs, real estate investment trusts. And people always want to hear a little bit more what I'm thinking on that. And for instance, there's a company called Alexandria Real Estate. And what they do is they go out and get campuses. They buy buildings in greater Boston, San Francisco, New York, Seattle, Maryland, North Carolina, and the Research Triangle. And they, they, they prep them for biochemistry. They prep them for life sciences. So companies like Squid, Moderna, Eli Lilly, Sanify rent their space and pay them rent. I like Alexandria real estate, dividend yield of 2.8%, but I don't like it for one month. I like it for 10 years. Um, for There's a, a metric, funds from operations. Very, very important to see that their cash is growing if they're going to be able to maintain paying a dividend. The value of the real estate will go up or down, which I like, as real estate tends to go up, so does theirs. So they're buying office properties and subleasing them. And along the way, they're giving you, the shareholder, a big chunk of the income, and they're not paying taxes. REITs are kind of tax-advantaged investments for real estate that I think were created at a time that was really heavily geared towards uh, helping wealthy white people is in the 1950s and 60s, that who the, that was the demographic. That was the Venn diagram of investors. One big circle. <laughs> and it covered who invested. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Um, so I hit a REIT for you. I gave you a REIT. Don't say I never gave you anything. I gave you the idea behind it. Consult a worker for the eyes of taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. Qualcomm is a semiconductor company, but they're also a semiconductor intelligence company. So they have a lot of patents and they charge people for some of their broad patents. There's always fear like, what if they lose a really broad patent? One area that I forgot, and this was 20 years ago, 
um, Qualcomm has been in and out of my portfolio for years. I use it as a trading vehicle. I use Apple as buy and hold. I'll, I'll buy a Qualcomm when the market's down a lot. And it's a, a pretty highly visible company with income. It actually pays a nice dividend. They have a ton of cash because they're not making the semiconductors. They're licensing the patents that go into semiconductors. And they also make some semiconductors. They're introducing a new chip um, to get back into the server market, which is very, very interesting. Um, Qualcomm's chipsets have always been considered high-end. So if you want to get the latest phone modem chip, Apple says, we can't do it. We need Qualcomm to do it. Now, Apple says, we'll, we'll make a deal with you for five years. Within five years, Apple's going to come up with a way to make a better modem chip than Qualcomm. So Qualcomm better have some other access to other areas like the Internet of Things semiconductors, semiconductors that go into cars, semiconductors that go into air conditioners, semiconductors that go into servers. They're getting back into the server market. They were in the server market. They were big. And then they just dropped it, I think, about five years ago. Um, Amazon has agreed to take a look at the product that they put together. And this is only big news to Qualcomm because Amazon happens to run Amazon Web Services, which uses a lot of servers. Yeah, that kind of does have a big feel to it, doesn't it? So product is important. It's one of the things that I talk about all the time. Um, McDonald's quietly pulled the McPlant burger. Um Maybe it wasn't profitable. Maybe it created a stink in their kitchen they didn't like. Maybe they had to throw away too many of them. That's not good news if you're a vegetarian and you want to see more plant-based meats at fast food. Taco Bell is trying for a third time to get a vegetarian option that's fake meat. They can't seem to quite get it right. And I think McDonald's basically is giving everyone the out. Like, you don't have to do this. We'll just go back to our, I'd like to say crappy old food, but I'm going to try to be nice today <laughs> um, as best as I can. I don't know. Um, Beyond Meat should be, if there was a true push to plant-based meats, I think it would have gone, I think it would have done better by now. They're not tinkering that much. I told you my problem with, um, I bought the Beyond Meat hamburger and I just added it to red sauce spaghetti. And my kids couldn't really tell the difference, but it was twice, it was 50% more expensive. So I'm like, isn't hamburger used in, to be consumed because it's cheap protein versus filet, which is expensive protein? So when you're paying filet prices for hamburger taste, I'm like, eh, I'll pass. Give me the cow. Um, anyway, plant-based meats, not catching on. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. It's all about the product. I'm Rob Black. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.